When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. She got into my arms. She loves flowers. And I was like, I'm so sorry. She has autism. She was like, she's fine. Well, on Oliver Plunkett Street in the middle of broad daylight, there's a group of young men just getting high. For somebody coming in off an ambulance trolley, I have found that we physically do not have enough trolleys. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Yeah, there are days when sport becomes news. Normally sport is tucked away in its own part of the hourly bulletin and it's put into programmes at an appropriate place. But um, then every so often, sport becomes news. You can think of occasions over the years where it happens, whatever, whatever your code. And this morning, the news is shocking and stunning. Uh, None of us could have envisaged yesterday at this time that we would be reporting this morning on the death of Teddy Mac. I I can't remember when I met him last. It was definitely before COVID, but he was always laughing and joking. He was a great old character. Um, He was unique among players of the GAA, hurling and football. What he achieved... I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll start with our own Gaelic Games correspondent, Finbar McCarthy. Finbar, is it four I'm going to there? That's, yes, two actually. Uh, Finbar, um, it's fair to say what he did will never be achieved again. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, PJ. Yeah, it is terrible, sad news. And I don't think it will. And if anyone is going to do it, it's going to come from Cork. But I, I think um, it won't happen. I, I, the way the inter-county season has gone now and the demands on players... It's tough enough for dual players to play with their clubs. They find it difficult with their managers. But I don't see it being done at Intercounty. And Teddy, Teddy Mac, God be good to him, his name will forever be etched in the annals of GF, what he achieved in 1990. It's an incredible achievement and incredibly sad. That's what we're talking about this morning. And and he was so proud of it. And you'd always say, Teddy, you know, it'll, it'll never happen again. Nah, don't say never, don't say never. Yeah, he uh, look. He, he has to be very proud of it, and so were so was everyone in Cork. 
Uh, I mean, as an incredible achievement, but he just took it in a stride. You, you said there, PJ, that you hadn't seen him in a while because of COVID, and you're right. He was always in good form. Ironically, uh, he was in Taurus on Sunday with, with Tomás Mull uh, at the under-20 final, and Mary met him, and she said, for typical Teddy we were talking about last night, he was in great form, a pair of shorts, enjoying the Cork victory, and Teddy was just Teddy. He took everything in his stride. And the, the one thing about him, PJ, you're liable to meet you're liable to meet him at any match. I believe on Monday the McCurtain and Max Sweeney Cup finals were played in Ballinock and uh, Linda Melrick sent me a message last night. Uh, his son uh, whether one or his two sons would play him a passage and he was out there watching the match in Ballinock and that's what he just loved doing, going to matches, be it hurling football, just loved going to him. He was such a natural guy, nothing phased him and really, really so sad. Yeah, desperately sad. You mentioned uh, Tomás Small. I'm joined by Tomás and indeed by another great friend of the late Teddy Mac, Larry Tompkins. Larry's on line one. Uh, hi, oh, Larry, he was there, guys. I might try and get Larry back for me. I'll ring in Tomás Small. Uh, Tomás, uh, well, what, what, do you, what do you say about your great friend? First of all, my condolences on your last fella. Morning. Thanks, PJ. Yeah, um... Uh, ironically, I, I was in my own hurling field last night uh, in Glen Rovers um, on the selector, and we were training. And as the sun was beating down uh, on us, and we were finishing up our last session, I had my phone in my pocket, PJ, and I know I had rang it two or three times, and uh, I didn't take the calls. Um, but then I saw that the last one came through from his brother, and uh, I have it in in, his, in my phone as deadly um, McCarthy and. Um, he gave me the news that Teddy had passed away and uh, Jesus it was devastating shattered to be honest with you Peter. He's, he's, he's younger than me he's younger than yeah. is he younger than you as well is he? he is younger than me he is yeah and we used to have a good crack about that right you know I'm the younger man I'm the younger generation of you all right my great friend is Jim Cashman as well and I'm younger than you and um yeah, Finbar mentioned there. I was with him. Yeah, I drove. We drove to uh, Thurles on Sunday for the under twenty match. He'd been in Parky Creeve on Saturday for Cork and Kerry, and yes, on uh, on on Monday he told me he was going to to watch his sons Keen and I play with 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 Passage in the in, in the McCartan Cup, and um, uh, he just loved he loved his family so much. He loved Keen, Nile, Sinead, even his ex-wife. Um, you know, Una, um, he was so proud of him all and so proud of all these relations and passage and like he, beyond underneath it, people had the wrong impression of Teddy McCarthy. He was, he gave it a shirt off his back. He was just a wonderful character yeah. um, and so good to be with and so funny and a bit of crack and even on Sunday, look, we were lucky enough, we got very good tickets in the enclosure and we were sitting down and we, we were we were fed our match programmes and we got two vouchers from from the guys in the Tipperary County Board. Look, go down and have a cup of tea and a sandwich there at halftime. We went down and he met the president of the GA and he met the former president, Sean Kelly, and the crack was unbelievable. And people were reminiscing with him, Teddy, we all remember the double. What an achievement for you mm. and stuff like that, right? And like he, he was throwing a dig at me as we went out and he, he turned around and he says to one of the lads behind, sure anybody can pay one game. <laughs> he never stopped that, board. did he? Though he never yeah, stopped. Yeah, 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 anybody can play one game, but not too many can play four. You know, and kind of, that was a dig to me as I walked in front of him. We were going back up to watch the match and coming mm. down the car, and 
Oh, we were delighted with Cork's victory. We were talking about a couple of players that were going to make the transformation from under twenty to senior, and oh, he just he just he just loved everything in terms of Cork GA. Yeah. It was his life. It was his life and his club stars. It was his life and he's back as vice chairman there. And the things that he was doing below when he tell me about what he wanted to do and where he wanted to go. It was it was just incredible. So very, very sad moment up EJ. Very sad. Stay there, Mull, because you and I and Larry, the three of us last spoke on the anniversary of of the double. Um, the thirtieth anniversary of the double. Larry, uh, you were captain of that football team and another great friend of yours. Uh, he was, wasn't he, a great friend? Um, my, my condolences to you, Larry. How did you find out last evening? Um, Dr. Con Murphy rang me um, and uh, informed me. Um, just uh, like as Tomas has put it there nicely, um, just know him, uh, just got to know Teddy, like for just as a, an amazing guy, amazing, um, amazing player. Um, there's a cloud over Cork. Uh, this morning because he just had that awe about him like like, like a Christy ring in hurling Teddy had the same awe about him he was a no-nonsense type of guy uh, just loved him to bits and uh, you know as a player and then probably got to know him even better like when we finished playing uh, we had many great moments together and uh, he was just a kind of a, a guy I, I just from, the, from day one I just kind of knitted so well with him like he was um a great man. He was a winner at all times. He loved Cork. Um, his passion for the game, his club, uh, just immense. He's just his pride going out in big games. Like uh, was 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 brilliant to be just playing alongside him. But I think the respect that the opposition got from him as well, like this, the incredible messages that I've received from all over the country there late last night and into this morning has just been incredible. But um, I think it's justified like a man like Teddy like this is honoured um, to be the only man ever to have won the double because he was an exceptional player like um, an incredible talent like and uh, for a man like of his I suppose he was a 5'9 5'10 fellow but by God he's amazing leaps into the air was one extreme That's shift right. he had that's right. In both in both codes, he would do that, Larry, wasn't it? I mean, there were some incredible yeah. photographs going around this morning of incredible. him leaping for a ball. Yeah, I remember uh, one of those photos probably is amongst the final. That I happened to be, uh, like I used to say to Teddy, you better go for the ball because I wouldn't have a hope again with you. But I was down waiting for the break, but the break never came. But there was a, a, a cliche on that story, the photograph. Someone asked him, how high did he jump? And... Uh, he said, Sir Jesus, they took that photograph. I was on my way down when they took that photograph. Mull, yeah, they were spectacular. The football ones were spectacular, but, but Mull, the hurling ones would take your breath away how high he could get for a ball. There was no ball safe yeah. from him. No, and and look, I mean, we had this chat, PJ, so many times. Teddy, Teddy tell us like what was what was behind it, and he would say to you, it was all about the timing. When the ball was being poked, I knew to step back a couple of yards, and then I knew when to go. And there's a picture, I think, on the social media doing the rounds at this stage. I think it's a picture from the ninety ninety three league final against Wexford. And um, my God, he went so high; it was just incredible. I think his boot is 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 is, is kind of at the shoulder of one of the Wexford That's right. players. That's right. And he's above him, 
and he's above him with his hand uh, catching a ball and uh, it was it was incredible and like as Larry mentioned right I mean those pictures and like you mentioned the 30th anniversary of the double and one of the greatest funniest moments that I had was the day in Parky Creek when we did a piece with Marty Morrissey for the Today Show in RT and he was he was in the middle of the park in his shorts and his lovely t-shirt and you know and Marty was asking him about kind of you know the double and stuff like that and how has it been for you and he just kind of out of nowhere came look just have one look at me Marty and the belly was hanging down over the you know and uh, and it's done it's done the runs PJ right and I'm after retweeting it myself because I was crying last night looking at it and just an incredible piece and, and that was him right you know and like you know we talk about iconic sporting figures and Cork was, Cork was made of these people and you take the Sonia Sullivan's, you take the Roy Keynes, you take the Dennis Irwin's, you take the, 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 the um, Rob Heffernan, you take Ron O'Gara. Teddy was, to me, was was that of games, to be honest with you. And he didn't realise himself. No, he, he didn't. I think that's... My, I remember my, my late great friend, Frank O'Brien, who introduced me to him many years ago. Yes. Um, said to me, there's a man who never really knew how good he was. Yeah, and he never really knew what he had achieved because any time you were in the company, people said, Teddy, my God, what a legend. Two Irelands in the same year. God, we we're so pleased to meet you. And he was so humble. And like, yeah... We had our arguments. I'm sure, Larry, you were the same. We, we fought many times <laughs> in terms of verbal, over matches, over this guy, over that, right? He was stubborn. You could get him cranky on a given day. He might he might walk past you. He might salute you. But, my God, he was an, he was an incredible guy. You an both captained him in friend. 1990, Mull. What was he like to captain? Ah, uh, he was... Look, sure, look. You didn't have to tell Teddy anything. He knew himself. He knew how he had to perform. He knew it was all about delivery. He knew, like yeah, Larry mentioned, like the size of the man, just the, the body structure, the pair of ties, you know, um, the leap from the ground, the commitment, you know. Larry can talk about the days against Kerry. Jesus, he hated him. He hated <laughs> Kerry. He hated him, right? <laughs> And and uh, like he tell me that, and we went and like I I I, 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 I we we'd, we'd a bit of a share in a horse, and the horse was running one bank holiday Monday in Listall, and I was driving down, and Teddy was in the car, and he says, "Do me one favour now." He says, "Will you not go through Kerry to get to Listall?" And I said, "Kerry, Teddy, Kerry, Listall is in Kerry. We have to go there." He says, "But go everywhere you can go." <laughs> and then we go to we go to Listowel at the last point of it, right? How the just, hell did you get to Listowel without? <laughs> yeah, but they brought they brought out the best in them. There was the passion that was there in terms of playing them. He came up against the greatest, the greatest, the Jack O'Shea's Ambrose O'Donovan in the middle of the park, and what a challenge he had there from a football point of view, and then from a hurling. I mean, he's look. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's history that you never, you were never going to see again in terms of yeah. what he achieved. And look, and yeah. people will talk about on the field, but I, I, I know him so well off the field. Yeah. He was just yeah. an incredible guy, and right. people sometimes took him up the wrong way. You know, I'll, I'll come back to you on 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 oh. that. But Larry, the same question to you, captaining him, captaining him on a football pitch, again turning out maybe against Kerry. Like, what, what was he like to deal with on, as as a as a captain? Well, Teddy was always Teddy was a captain himself. Like he, he didn't like. I remember uh, it was a 
I had joined Cork in nineteen eighty seven, I think it was the nineteen eighty eight most of the final and I suppose you know, I'd be kind of going around maybe jizzing up a few fellas and I remember going to Teddy and, and sure he cut he cut me by the throat there and and showed me again the ball and he says he said, You don't have to jizz me up against these fellas you know. So um, I I knew straight away then he was one guy I had to leave alone, you know. But um, he was uh, you know, I, I think um, no disrespect, and, and I suppose the admiration and, and maybe the the, the the Kerry being the, the football force at the air, he just he wanted the challenge because if you played no disrespect to the weaker counties or some other counties that we'd we'd encounter playing at times, um, he wanted to play again the best, and you know I suppose the aura of Kerry being unbeatable that time and they had great success over Cork for a long long period of time, so. That got into Teddy's, uh, you know, skin, and and uh, he he didn't want that, that to happen, and uh, you could see it in him, like when he played against him, he was just he was just a colossus, like, and um, uh, I just go back to the point like this: how people loved Teddy Mac. I I I don't think I've ever seen another sports person. I've known Roy Keane, I've known Sonia Sullivan, and they've been brilliant. Um, but I've never seen. Uh, Cork people the way they loved Teddy I think that he was just one of them like there was no there was no ears and graces about Teddy it didn't matter what he won or what he done or what he achieved and he achieved a hell of a lot he would come out of the dressing room in Killarney in Parky Kiev he'd walk down the road with the supporters he'd go into the, the, the bar and have a drink with them he would mix with them all the time he was absolutely idolised and loved, like, yeah. and he was just a, such an a non-song hero of a guy like that. You would just, you know, you you, you just love battling with him every day of the week, PJ. He was just, he was just a brilliant, brilliant guy, and I can't talk highly enough about him. He's just his achievements, even, you know, after the presentation when we won the All Ireland double, uh, the football. Um, and I was going up I didn't know until afterwards and I would have been very close to Teddy like sure Teddy didn't even wait for my speech he, he ran into the he went straight into the dressing room and uh, clear and behold like that uh, who was inside there in the dressing room before him was Jack Lynch but wasn't that a, a, a poignant moment for both of those people to meet and uh, I slagged him afterwards when I heard like that he didn't listen to this speech and he, he said ah sure Larry you're going with a lot of crapple anyway you know what I mean so I wouldn't want to be here knowing that <laughs> So that was that was the way he was. He was just um he is just loved by everybody and it's just I, I don't know, you just can't put it into words like um, okay. uh, and Tomas just put it so nicely there like that. I suppose myself and Tomas amazing like the both of us were captain, but I think both of us were so close to Teddy, like, you know, I had been in business for so long and and I was down in business across the road from the train station. And when I saw my business, Teddy had opened up his business in Glamour. And I went every weekend down to Teddy and to Una. And I suppose got to know them really, really well at that stage. Yeah. And uh, their kids. And um, uh, just it, it kind of grew from there again. Like, And, uh, you know, he, he he's a guy that if you were in trouble in the morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, he'd be the first guy you'd ring because... There was an honesty, there was a loyalty, there was a trust, yeah. and the biggest thing of all, there was a friendship that 
would never waver when he became yeah. your friend. Like you, you, I can I can hear that in both your voices this morning. This is not just a, a sporting colleague that you've lost. You've both lost a, a dear, dear personal friend. Milady, <laughs> can I ask you before I before I do the same with you, Mull, in a sec? Just give me one personal memory that you'll take forever from your years of knowing the great Teddy Bear. Um, I suppose there's been lots of them. Uh, I suppose Teddy. <laughs> Teddy probably kind of uh, always seemed to kind of get it wrong when 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 the big things were happening, and I suppose um, the unfortunate thing about it, this is a sad story in a way, but you know what? This is the way he was. It was it was the twenty five years of, of walking out to the pitch in in Crow Park, um, uh, being honoured, uh, waving to the crowd, okay. and um, I suppose Teddy um, wanted it as he was wanted to look after a great friend of his tickets were hard to come by for the match he had a ticket and he had a, a, a luncheon ticket for the 1990 team there was the luncheon was on the same day so he thought like this you know give the ticket to his good friend and he would get in himself on, for the luncheon he, he, as he said himself he would have watched the other and on the TV screen up above he didn't have to go onto the seat you know Yeah. so uh, unfortunately, when he got to the gates of Crow Park, he wasn't allowed in, and there was a bit of controversy. I remember that story. They yeah. didn't know who he was. He didn't know who he was, <laughs> and he walked away from the gate, and I was up at the luncheon, and he picked up the phone to me, and he said, Larry, I'm not bloody going into Crow Park ever again. I'm not, I'm down here, and I'm going down to Mars Pub, and I'm going to have a few drinks, and that's it. And I tried to get... The president of GH, Sean Kelly, was there, and I got Sean to uh, rang him and got on to Sean to talk to him and and um, to try and get him back because it, was, it would have been a unique, the only man ever like to have won the double, uh, unique kind of a, a, a thrill to walk onto the field and stuff like that. But Teddy, the man he was, walked up, got onto the train and went back down. And I think he was he was having a couple of drinks down in Sars Club later on that he, night. He got, he got his pal in though, and that was all that mattered to he him. Got, and that's the that's the point in part of what he made like that. Yeah. He was he treat, he wanted to treat his friend better than himself. He was bigger his friend to get him into that ground. I remember that story. Way, and that's the way Teddy was. It, it it was a sad a sad story in a way, but it just shows you the man he was. Like yeah. he was just. An incredible that, person. That, that showed, yeah. actually, Larry. That showed caliber. It's what that showed. Yeah. That showed yeah. caliber. You know, that was that was that was. He was. I tell you, PJ. He rings me the next day, Teddy, and he apologised for me not being able to go on the field. But he said, "Look, he said I wasn't going to let my friend down, and I didn't care what the consequences was. I thought it would let me up to the luncheon and I walk out to the field was no problem. But I suppose the way the whole things have changed in Crow Park and the security staff. Uh, sure. If it had been, if it had been back when, when we were playing in my seven to Moses days." And actually, people would have known Teddy, and there would have been no problem getting yeah. through. You know what I mean? But, um, that, that's that, that. I remember that story, Larry. I do indeed yeah. remember it. Mall, have you have you a story before we before we wrap up? Uh, PJ, I, I I I have so many stories and so many memories with the guy and uh, any of us that played with him. Um, look, I th- I think you know. Um, for the person himself, he, he he his love of his club stars was yeah. was was always something that he had said to me on a private way, or having a chat, or having a conversation, or having an argument. And look, 
there was he he was just so proud of his club and where he came from in Glanmire and what it meant to him. And he, as I said, like he didn't realise all these achievements. And look, I, we went we went to we went to Galway one day, and I drove him up to Galway one day because the late Tony Keady, the plates at the back with, with with Galway had passed away suddenly as well. And we went to the funeral up there, and um, I was driving. And I said to him, "If you go back to the to the pub afterwards, you can have a few drinks. I, I'll have a cups a cups a couple of cups of coffee, and we can stay." And the guys in Galway were just blown away by this man. There was a double winning man, Teddy McCarthy, but he he ended up in the middle of the floor, PJ, and he was telling them stories about. He's, he's, he's battles against Kerry. He's battles against Tip and the Hurling. But, like, he played in the All-Irelands in the, in the, with the Ireland Ireland in the Australian Rules series and stuff like that. And he was telling them the story about that he missed the first test when he was in Australia because he went he went to miss and he, he went missing for a couple of days and never made the match. And the, the GA authorities were looking to get his plane ticket organised to send him home, right? And, um, and I was sitting back, sitting on the seat, looking at this, and there's a man, there's Teddy in the middle of the floor and an audience of 50 or 60 people, and they were just blown away by him, blown away by his stature. Yeah. The, the honesty and the... the, the the telling of the stories and like nothing phased him and yeah. like that's 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 my memory of him right you know right. and like you know he did they didn't send him home from australia sean Ballin was the manager of the ireland team and they were hammered yeah. in the first test yeah and they said we'd hold teddy because there was a fellow in the middle of the field that destroyed ireland in that first test and they said teddy we have a job for you you pick him <laughs> up the second test and the two of them sparred up the second test and the two of them were sent off <laughs> and Ireland won the second test and they won the t- third test and Teddy was the hero yeah. he was the hero and he loved it and he was telling them all about this and they just loved it they loved it what a man an amazing guy and you guys Larry and Tomas you, you, you both loved him and it's very clear from your voices this morning Larry Tompkins and Tomas Mulcahy paying tribute and remembering their great friend uh, Teddy Mac, uh, just briefly back to you, uh, Finney. They really have summed it up, the two boys, about how much they and Cork loved this man. Yeah, listen, I, I'm listening there in awe at the two of them. And, I mean, they, they, they were so passionate about Teddy and so friendly with him. And I know Tomas and himself were great friends, and so was Larry. And they summed them up perfectly. And there's nothing anyone else can say what the two lads they've done him do 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 justice for what they said about him. He was an icon on the field. He was a gentleman off the field. And as Tomorrow said, his love for Sarah was incredible. I know on Monday, Dennis Hurley, the president of Sarah, rang me last night to tell me the bad news. And he said, on Monday, Teddy was doing something. They were looking for a bit of extra land somewhere. And Teddy was on it on a bank holiday Monday. Did a junior hurler match last. On Monday night, he couldn't get to his knee, ringing up every 10 minutes to know how the match was going. And he just loved Sarah's. And just as Tomas and Larry said, no matter where you go, if Teddy Mac was there, he would hold court and people just loved him. And it's so, so sad. My condolences to the two lads, to his family and to his club mates in Sarah's and Glenmire. And a very hate on a leash. And, and a great friend of ours, um, two great friends of ours, um, Fiddy, would, would have been there to buy him a fine glass night, Paddy and Frank. Yeah, and he'd enjoy it. He would. Cheers to Finn Mar McCarthy, uh, 96 FM J correspondent. A sad, sad morning as we remember the great 
the wonderful man, the lovely man, the lovely, lovely, lovely man that was uh, Teddy McCarthy. Corks 96 FM's Week in Ibiza is coming. Listen to Win Your Way to the world's most famous party island. <laughs> party Island. <laughs> Just watch me dance. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Guetta, Joe Corey, and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the famous Habitha Sunset. And spending money. Spending money. Are you ready? Summertime. Oh, yeah. Stay listening to Cork's 96FM weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. 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 Your way to a week in a beta. Only on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just speaking with Finney there before the break, he was at the county board meeting last night and he spoke to the chair of the board, Mark Sheehan, about the news that had just broken, the sudden passing of the great Teddy Mac. We're just after completing our county board meeting here and the news, uh, sad news filtered through uh, here to, to Parky Cueve um, this evening and we're deeply saddened and we extend our, our sympathy to his family and to the Saris Glenmire Club. I suppose looking out here on and, and and Parky Cueve uh, and thinking of, I suppose, the, the many, many hundreds if not thousands of times, certainly hundreds of times that he played there donning the Cork jersey. Um, he was a, a true icon of the game, uh, you know, in both codes. He had the unique distinction of being double All-Ireland senior winner in 1990. And he gave so much to his club and to the association as well. And he used to go to matches everywhere. He's liable to pop up at any venue, north, south, east or west, club or county. He just had a passion for the games. Yes, absolutely. And, and he, didn't, he didn't discriminate between hurling or football. Or he, he, was, he was everywhere. He was ubiquitous in terms of club games uh, and also the, the inter-county game. So well, well known, uh, well regarded and such a, such a warm and genial person as well. Uh, and uh, we're greatly saddened and, and greatly shocked that it's put a, a huge cloud over our county board meeting uh, on a very, a very fine evening when we're you know, heading towards the, the end or towards the end of the Intercounty Championship for this year uh, and it is a, a dark a dark day for Cork GA and indeed for the GA uh, nationally. Indeed for Cork. That's Mark Sheehan, Chair of the County Board, speaking with uh, Finbar last evening. I got sent a lovely... Fo- oh yeah, the Lord Mayor, uh, Councillor Deirdre Ford, has announced she will open a book of condolences for Teddy Mac at City Hall at half past eleven on today, Wednesday, June the 7th. I got sent a lovely photograph late last night by my pal Eddie O'Hare, one of the greats of sports and news photography in Cork. He sent me a lovely picture that he took last year, or was taken last year in Parky Ring, uh, Douglas against Middleton last July. And there's the two of them, two demons, two messers. And they're smiling and laughing and joking at a match and uh, one thing I do remember I met him many times I only interviewed him a few times but I met him and was in his company many times laughter was never more than a few seconds away when you would meet uh, Teddy Mac That's, that'll be my memory of him the great hurler Anthony Daly from Clare this is a good one from Michael the great hurler Anthony Daly from Clare was attending a charity match reception in Glenmire around the turn of the century and uh, around 2000 and a young lad asked him, how many All-Ireland medals did you have? How many All-Ireland medals have you, Mr. Daly? And he said, I have two, 95 and 97. 
and there was an old lad in the corner put down his pint and looked up and he said sure we've a fella here who won two in a fortnight <laughs> ah rest in peace Teddy it's heartbreaking listening to Tomas you hear people doing this so often and it's polished and almost rehearsed it's real real and raw with himself and Larry a sad and tragic loss that's from Kevin condolences uh, from Mary uh, to his family especially shocked says Michael one of the great dual players I've ever seen. Condolences to family and friends from RIB Teddy. That's from another Michael. Just hard to take it in. God bless Teddy, says Anthony. An inspirational star. Forever a hero in the history of the GAA. Sincere condolences to all the family. Rest in peace. That's from Brian. And you did well to hold yourself there. A great interview, says Kevin. I was. Yeah, no, and I, look, I wouldn't have known the man well at all, only to meet him in the company of great friends and great friends, I was thinking thinking of Frank really, thinking of the man who introduced me to Teddy Mac all those years ago, uh, my dear and much loved and much missed friend, Frank O'Brien and then, you know, our own pal here at 96FM uh, the late great Polly Palmer who only passed away around Christmas New Year time he would have commentated a hundred times on, on, on Teddy and we would have, had, doubtless, if if times were happier, we'd have had we'd have had party on this morning, sharing memories. So that's what that's what had me just struggling to hold it in a, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'd love your thoughts on on Teddy Mac, your memories of of Teddy Mac. I, I, I had uh, it's gone. I'll try and find it. I had the closing seconds of the Orlando football from from nineteen ninety. But it took a couple of seconds, I think, for the commentary teams on the day to realise, and Jerk Henning was commentating for RT that day on the television, it took him a second or two to realise exactly what Teddy had achieved on that day in, in 1990. But if you have any memories of the great uh, Teddy Mac, please do get in touch and let us know. 0818 96 96 96. You guys ready? Watch out! Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Make sure you're with me every weekday on the Big Drive Home, where it's all about the music. Catch the biggest artist interviews. Niall had planned a trip to Mullingar. It was a lot more hard work than I was expecting it to be. Win tickets for the coolest gigs. I am one hundred percent the biggest artist fan that you will find. And pick the playlist yourself on the Takeover. Hi, it's Sir from Glanmire. Can you play Pink for me on the Takeover tonight? For all of that and more, join me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Independence Music and Arts Festival. Magic and memories at Indy 23. Tickets at independencefestival.com. Corks 96 FM. Beaten by me in 1987. Beaten after a replay in 1988. Are the 14 men to prevail in front of their loyal band of fans. The subs wait. The double has been achieved. And it would a second or two later, a minute or two later, that you look at Teddy and goes, "What he has done, no one else has done before, and no one else will do it now." Uh, there are a number of players who have won both an All Ireland senior and hurling and football medal. There are a number of jewels 
individual players who've won both. But nobody, that is a list of one, one man who's ever done it in the same year, in the same month. The late, great Teddy McCarthy. To remind you again, that um, that book of condolence will open at 11 at the City Hall. Uh, Deirdre Ford, the Lord Mayor, has announced that this morning. Liam, you wanted to talk to me about, I about Teddy. Say, yeah. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. How are you? Um, it was just about uh, when Sarsfield got into the, the final of Fale Grail, you know. I um, can't remember the year off the top of my head now, you know. But the one thing that really stands out in my mind was that... Um, you know, we we got up there before the before the game started, a day or two before the game started, you know, and um all all we were hearing was uh, when is Teddy McCarthy coming up? When is Teddy McCarthy coming up? And then all the young fellas were, When is Mr McCarthy coming up? When is Mr McCarthy coming up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, Everybody and, knew him. And that's what all that's all they wanted. They didn't want to see the hurling matches, they didn't they didn't want to see us. All they wanted to see was Teddy McCarthy, you know what I mean? And that was up in Port Ferry. And we actually got to the final. Saracens got to the final that year and actually won it in right. Belfast. You know, yeah. and look, I think I think him being up there spurred the lads on so much. He he inspired them so much, and he was involved with them so much. You know, and he he brought those young fellas on so much as well. You know, and he, he was a fabulous mentor to young players, wasn't he? To, to, he was. He was to, to be coached or trained or even watched and given a tip by Teddy like that was gold. There was a, that was it, yeah. He, he was an icon, you know, an icon all over the country, not just in Sarsfield. He mm. was all over the country. Port of Ferry Lake is a good distance from Cork. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and look, another thing about him, he stayed with a host family like we all did, you know, for, for the for the four or five days that we were up there. And Teddy didn't stay in any big hotel or anything that he was among us and stayed with us. And he was with the host family as well, you know, and that was absolutely their year made, you know. Yeah, that, that was the year mid. Yeah, this yeah. this like, I think we, we and names were mentioned this morning, Liam, but by the lads, you know, they mentioned Roy and they mentioned Dennis and they mentioned Raj and they mentioned, you know, Sonia and he is in terms of Cork sport, he is up there with each and every one of them. Absolutely, is yeah, and you 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 can tell that by the the spread of his you know his fame for what he did. It's all over Ireland, not just, like I said, in Cork or, or, or Glenmire. Did anybody think on that day in 1990, September 1990, nobody will ever do that again? I don't think so, no. Definitely not in our time anyway, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. And uh, my condolences to everyone who's lost uh, Teddy today, who knew him playing alongside him and training alongside him and selecting teams with him. Finbar O'Brien is the uh, officer selector and manager at SARS. A sad day for your beloved club, Finbar. Good morning. Very sad, DJ. Very sad. Um, if I could just pass my, my condolences on to his family yeah. and uh, all the people of Gamire area. And uh, uh, I just have one or two kind of nice stories about him. Right. I was the um, minor manager last year of the second team and... Um, we were getting ready for the league and the championship, and he'd always come into the pitch, you know. And uh, uh, he, he'd stand alongside you and he'd say, How are they going? And how are things happening? And I, I win in matches. And I said, Gee, Teddy, we haven't lost a match yet. I said, Since you're still around, things are good. And, you know, when the kids would see him coming into the, the, the under 15, 16, 17s, especially, when they see him coming into the pitch, they'd always get a kind of a jump up, you know. They love seeing him, like. And he was great at when he'd, he'd come in and he'd talk to the lads and he'd. He'd take the hurley out of your hand and he'd have a look at it. And I always go around the club. I'm kind of unique in the club because I, I go around with a shinty. 
I don't go around with a Norman hurley. It's just a thing I have of old. I have Christie Rings hurley from 1954. I learned a middle, and I I I done a, I copied a replica of it and I made one. And so I I'd always go around with a shinty in my hand rather than hurley. And he often take the take the hurley out of my hand. He said, "Jesus, Finbar, what is that?" It's like a hockey stick, a big yoke of a thing. But I'd say, Teddy, that's you know that's what I love. That's what I like holding in my hand. Um, an old style shinty, you know. Because I do small with the repairing of hurleys myself for the club, but he was always there. You know, if he wasn't in the village, he was in the in the in the in the castle or the club or the pitch or around the place. You'd meet him in the shop, and like I can go back to the late Tony Keady. Tony Keady was a very close friend of mine before he passed away, because yeah. uh, my wife is actually from more and more in Galway, and I actually can remember the day of the funeral Tomas and about earlier when they bought it, drove up to. Or more uh, um, church for, for Tony Keady's funeral, and that was also a very sad day. And it was actually detached bar afterwards in in Ormore Village that they went into. And I remember speaking to the great Nicky English. Yeah. Nicky English was there. They all went back somewhere, were having a pint, somewhere having a cup of tea or whatever. And Nicky was there, and he said, "Jesus, do you know what?" He said, "I played alongside this man for so long against him, Tipperary versus Cork in the great Munster finals and semi-finals of the All Ireland and so forth." He said, "But to actually stand alongside him." He said, I was, I was nearly shaking, he said. And there was great, there was great people from Galway at that funeral, like Pat Malone and Ian Ryan, and more and more, and other fellas. But there was just an awe of, of his presence, you know. He, would just, he just had that kind of um, an awe about him, a presence about him, you know, yeah. no matter where he went or wherever he met. It didn't necessarily have to be sad. It could have been like his good mate, Tomas Mulcahy, was on earlier about him. And he, he was just he was a unique figure in my, in my, in my um, you know, he was someone I admired growing up. As a, as a horror, and uh, sorry, no, I just got upset. No, home. you're okay, man. You're okay. You're okay. But um, like uh, my predominantly my club is Black Rock in in, in Church Road. That's that's where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. And as a young fella hitting the ball off the wall, we saw him say, "Oh, the great Mull or the great Teddy." Yeah. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a sad, very sad day for the club, all right, right. and more so for the parish of Kilmire. So uh, my condolences to all his family, his brother Dennis, and his his. His nephew, Dunica, was playing with us only Monday night against Carrick Tool below and Carrick Tool in goal, he's a goalkeeper, Dunica McCarthy. Right. And so, uh, yeah, my condolences to all the family and all his friends. All right. In the club. Okay, Peter. Take care, Finn Barr. Mind right. yourself, by mind yourself. Thank you. My, my condolences on the loss of a man who was clearly meant a great deal great deal to you. About that, like with him always being surrounded by people, if you're ever waiting for him to do an interview at an OB, like myself and, and Frank and the late great Mick Ellard and a few more, on, on a day of an All-Ireland or a day before an All-Ireland, we might do an old OB from the Gresham Hotel in Dublin, we'd do an old programme from there. It's the Sunday morning of an All-Ireland. We did it many times. We had great laughs, great laughter and great fun. But you'd see Teddy Mack would possibly put the head around. Frank would have got onto him during the week and said, look, will you ever put your head around the door of the Gresham if you have five minutes on, on Sunday morning? And he would. But the problem was, by the time you'd see him coming in the door to the time you'd get him to where we were actually broadcasting from, should the programme be over? Because he's surrounded by people wanting to talk to him and shake his hand. Ah, oh, listen to me, stop. Uh, well done, PJ and team, for a great tribute to Teddy Macri. He rest in peace. Says Ray, devastating news. Call us off, Teddy. That's from Councillor McNugent. PJ says Aidan, I was at a Cork City game in Turner's Cross a number of years ago, leaning up on the fence down near the corner flag. I looked beside me, there's Teddy standing there asking me how the game was going. Now, I knew very little about GAA, but I knew instantly who he was. 
And what an honour it was to have had a little chat with this great man. Cork is at a loss today, says Aidan. That is a very good way of putting it, Aidan. Cork is at a loss to describe its loss this morning. Yeah, it's, it's, and I think it's a brilliant point that Larry and Mull brought up. You know, if we were to look at the the, the list of Cork sporting greats, obviously, you know, Rog and Roy and Dennis and, and, and Sonia, you know, and, and others like that, Robbie and others, like, he is up there with them. Brought my son to a match in SARS years ago and he was small and he couldn't see... And would you believe Teddy saw him trying to see the match, came over and sat next to him so he had a full view. My heart is heavy. Sars have lost a colossal figure. Rest in peace, you legend. That's from Pat. Thank you, Pat. Come here, would you like to go to the marquee on us on the 20th of June? The great Rod Stewart will be back in Cork. First time since, I think it was 2019, he was here pre-pandemic. He was here at Parky Cueve and he was astonishing back then. He's back to the marquee Tuesday, June 20th and Wednesday, June 21st. We have tickets every day this week for the 20th. And all you have to do is text me the word Rod and your details to 083 3969696. The word Rod and your own details, name and whatever, to 083 3969696. Thanks to our good friends at uh, Aiken Promotions and Live at the Marquee, we'll send you to see Rod on the 20th at two. Well, no, it's not. It's two weeks yesterday, so it's two weeks. Two weeks' time, the 20th of June. Your name and Rod. 083-396-9696 The Cork Diary On Cork's 96FM The Cork Diary is a free service so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96FM.ie The minds are live Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Quick mention for Nicole Duggan, a pal of mine who's walking to Cork from Dublin to raise money for my canine companion. I've been following her adventures on her Instagram my boy blue and indeed she's on Facebook as well I think they're on the very last leg of their trip today they've raised a handy chunk of change for my canine companion we want to try and catch up with Nicole before we're done at midday they've had great weather for their walk well it's been sweltering but they've had great weather for it 0818 96 96 96 the number the text or whatsapp 083 396 96 and your email is opinion at 6am.ie we can if you wish return to the subject of the passing of, of Teddy Mac but we have other things to do today and uh, you'll forgive me if we move on with them for now at least Gary you were involved recently in a massive international operation targeting criminal networks trafficking women and young children and modern day slaves and here in Ireland a number of Garda units were involved in the monitoring and intelligence gathering at main entry points including Dublin and Cork airports and the major ports this is an international 
criminal operate criminal investigation right here on our shores. Uh, Cork Bio uh, has been following the story. Editor Joe Shea joins me. Joe, big operation and very, very local reach to it. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, this is possibly the biggest uh, international police operation of recent times, Operation Global Chain. Now, it involves police forces in something like uh, 24 different countries, but also with intelligence agencies looking at 40 different countries. So it's in Europe, in Asia, in South America, the US and Canada. And what they were looking at, basically, I know this involves uh, groups like uh, agencies like Interpol, Europol and Frontex, which is the European border control agency that looks after the borders of Europe. And basically what they were looking at were, were very highly organized international criminal gangs that are involved in uh, human trafficking on a huge scale for a whole different, for a, a variety of reasons. One of the, one of the things is uh, sexual exploitation of, of women um, and children. Another thing that, that they're worried about is modern day slavery. For instance, in the UK, they have Vietnamese people being trafficked into the country to basically run uh, or staff cannabis grow farms and they're basically imprisoned in these houses and kept there for months on end. They do not see daylight and their, their job is to basically grow cannabis. And then there, uh, there's also like uh, people being trafficked, basically paying uh, international traffickers to get them into countries where they think they're going to be able to, to you know, live and ha- have a better life. You know, in some cases, economic migrants, but people also fleeing war and in, in, in Europe and in the Middle East. And they came to Cork Airport. What were they looking for or who were they looking for at Cork Airport, Joe? Yeah, this is... This is interesting because what they're basically doing is monitoring, looking for for patterns in in many cases. So you have a range of of specialised Garda Garda agencies, including the National Protective Services Bureau and the Human Trafficking Investigation and Coordination Unit. What they're looking for is people coming into the country, in some cases with uh, young children or women, are people regularly coming and going, suspicious patterns, people who may look like they shouldn't be traveling or are traveling on false documents. It's intelligence gathering more than anything else. What they're looking for is to, is to build up this profile of these criminal gangs. Now, there were 202 arrests made uh, internationally and 134 to 138 kind of criminals uh, identified as being involved or in many cases being the, the kind of the, the chief organizers of these trafficking routes. They're worried as well that what's happening is international criminals are partnering with local criminals, gangs, if you know what I mean. Yes. And uh, uh, they're helping each other and, and that uh, the people are being delivered in some, in some cases to local criminal gangs or branches of international gangs operating in Irish cities, in UK cities, and cities across Europe. Yeah, it, it, we, we sometimes don't acknowledge, do we, Joe, the level of serious gangland and international-style crime that comes into our, our city? Yeah, I mean, on the face of it, Cork doesn't really have organised crime, you know, not in, in, anywhere near the scale that you see in Dublin, for instance. But under the surface, there is a lot going on. Now, we know that there is, and there were, uh, as I understand it, 
a number of uh, premises uh, investigated by Gardaí, one in, uh, in particular in the south inner city in Cork, in connection with sexual exploitation, a brothel, basically. And there are concerns that Gardaí have been monitoring premises across Cork. They also went in, in Dublin and talked to women in a number of premises and basically said to them, literally gave them their card and said, "We, if you want to talk to us about what your situation is now, you can call us, you can come to us, we will talk to you. We, you will not be immediately deported from the country or like that. We will, we can protect you. Like We've had the very interesting case, for instance, um, a guy called Hamid Sanambar. Yes. Who's a, yeah. I remember so that name, fat- but tell us again who he was. Yeah. Right. In May 2019, there was a, an Iranian national called Hamid Samanbar, who was basically was the victim of a gangland hit uh, in, a, uh, in a garden in, um, in Dublin. Um, now, he was basically a freelance enforcer for criminal gangs in Ireland. And he had spent some time in Cork, quite a lot of time, and had been convicted of very se- a very serious crime in Cork. Hamid Samambar was a very violent guy. Um, and he, in Cork, he made a speciality out of finding out where there were brothels, bursting into them arms and taking whatever money was there. So taking money from the people running the brothel, taking money from the from the women there, or customers if they were if they were customers there as well. He was convicted in 2015 of basically that doing exactly that. A brothel on Cove Street, you know, right in the city centre, just behind Sullivan's Quay, where he went in uh, armed and threatened everybody and grabbed as much money as he could. He saw it as easy money. He was given a, t- a three-year suspended sentence at the time, and um, that actually happened in, t- in September 2012. And then after that, he basically relocated back to Dublin and got involved in some very serious criminal activity up there. Wow, wow, and again these, inter- I have a photograph of him here in front of me, a rough a rough looking thug. He's, there, are, there are people in Cork who still remember him as a very very dangerous man and he yeah, he, he's there, there is very credible evidence that he was basically a hitman for hire for criminal gangs in Ireland and that he had set up the reason why he was eventually shot dead, was that he had set up a guy that he, that he was working for in Dublin, had actually led him into a trap. The fascinating thing is that after that happened, Hamid Samambar went and hung out with the guy's criminal associates, so to speak, in, you know, almost pretending, well, wasn't it terrible what happened to him? Oh, I'm really caught up about it. They actually, uh, this is the, the theory that, 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 was, that is being entertained, they got their revenge on him because they found out it was him who actually it basically led their colleague into a tra- their their criminal associate into a trap. Yeah, and he was he was he was killed in in Dublin in May of twenty nineteen. As I said, twenty nineteen, yeah, twenty nineteen, yeah. A rough, a rough looking devil. You wouldn't you wouldn't want to see him standing in front of you. No matter no, who he, you were. He, yeah, you know, he was he was into steroids. He had a shaved head. He was a big guy, big bulky guy. He had a tattoo of tears on a, on a very characteristic looking guy. We were Corpio reports on it back in 2019. But again, when we report on that, I remember the reaction from people on social media. It was like going, wow, there are people like that in Cork. I didn't, I, I thought that that sort of stuff didn't happen at all. But it absolutely does happen. But it's very much under the radar. Yeah, and, and good work by yourself and, and the Corpio team in bringing it out from under the radar, Joe. Thank you for that. Joe O'Shea, editor of uh, Corpio. That was a huge operation, Operation Global Chain. And I do remember that name. 
uh, a vicious tug, Hamid Sanamba. 0818 96 96 96. If you ever think for a minute that it doesn't come to our wonderful city, oh, it most certainly does. Am I looking out there? Are they clouds? Or are they clouds? They are. They're the first clouds I've seen in, what, nearly a week. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. FM. I think this is a fantastic idea, Chris, and we'll just put it out there. Let this settle with you for a while and see. They've got, we've got to have, Chris will happily drive and collect them. We've got to have the contacts to be able to do this. Barry says it may, there may be security issues with it, but listen, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful idea, and could it be done? Chris says, I think it would be lovely if we could retrieve a loan of the Liam McCarthy Cup and the Sam Maguire and have Tomas and Larry hold them high at Teddy's funeral. Chris said he'd happily drive to Kerry and Limerick to collect them. Just an idea. But, well, I'm sure it could be arranged without you needing to do that, Chris, but it's very kind and generous of you to to suggest it. But what a wonderful idea. What a wonderful, wonderful idea if we could have the Liam McCarthy and Sam Maguire on display at Teddy's funeral. Yeah, I'm carrying Limerick. I'm sure they'd lend them to us for a day. To be disgraced, they didn't. That's a fabulous idea. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now to other business, and if you're living up around Cork Prison, you will know that a wall is being built, and you will know that not a lot of people are happy about this wall. Um, Susan Murphy and Claire Shaw have both sent us pictures. Susan, describe... Now, I've seen the pictures. Listeners, I don't know whether we've shared any of them, but listeners need to know what is going on near your house. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Hi. Um, It's it's actually metal sheeting that's going up with, with the existing wall that's there now. Okay. And it's going right up behind our back gardens. Right. I thought looking at the pictures, it didn't look like brickwork, so it's sheeting. Yeah. Um, metal sheeting. Mm-hmm. Galvanising sheeting, like. Mm. And how high it, is it going up? Oh, the, the same height as, as the wall. Right, and that's fairly big, like. It is. It is. When so did yeah. the work start? It, it started about... Six or seven weeks ago. Right. None of the residents were uh, consulted or nothing. Yeah, you're up in Brandon Court, yeah? Right, Brandon Court, yeah. Right behind, right behind the prison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's... It, it looks unsightly. The, walls, oh. the wall wasn't exactly lovely to look at either, but... No, no, it's not. But, you know, but uh, with this going up now, it's shocking, like, disgrace. Yeah. Did they say why it's gone up? Has anyone said why it's gone up? No, I I ran Cork Prison myself and the acting governor rang me back. So he said that it was just gone up because there is drugs being thrown over the wall. Well, that's as old as the hills, yeah, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know, we have enough 
and then listen to the prisoners then morning, noon and night. Yeah. Yeah. You're nowhere near a gate where you are. Do you see people coming in and out? It's just the wall. Just a wall. Okay. All right. Stay there, Susan. Claire. Yes. You also send us some pictures. Are you in are you in Brandon Court as well? Yeah, I'm in the same block of Susan, yeah. I see. I see. And what's the general feeling up there? Well, at the moment, very angry. Everybody's very angry about it. You know, we had to put up with the prison going up there and putting up with the outer wall of prison. But now, like, this galvanized sheeting that's going up there, I know they're trying to keep something out, but, I mean, it's not fair on the residents living here that we have to be putting up with this, you know, every day, looking out our back doors. Yeah. You say it's tough enough living near tough, a prison? Yeah. It what, is. What kind it of... Is. You can hear stuff over the wall, can Yeah, you? we can hear the prisoners when they're fighting or when they're shouting and the language out of them is just ridiculous. And, you know, there's a lot of young children that be out playing in their backyard. And like, is that an exercise yard over the wall from you, it is? It is, it is, yeah. But there's workshops there as well and you can hear them in the workshops with the... I don't know, they're driving some machinery in there as well and... It, the cells are facing us. The cells are facing us, yeah, you know. So, yeah, we do hear a lot of shouting and roaring in there as well, yeah. Right. So the cells are, I'm, I'm sure that they can't see your houses from the cells, can they? Well, they can, yeah. They can, some of them can, yeah. Because we, we, when they were building the prison, we were brought in there to have a look around before the prisoners went in there. Mm. And um, we looked at the cells now ourselves, you know what I mean? And we can see out, they can see out, like. I see. Yeah. I see. You have children and grandchildren, both of you? Uh, well, I have only, all my children are there now and gone, but I have grandchildren that come up, like, and the children will come in and say what the prisoners are saying in there, you know what I mean? Oh, they, oh, they can hear it quite quite clearly. Like, oh, you can hear it quite clearly, yeah. Quite clearly, yeah. And, uh, like, there's a lot of young children in the pair as well, you know? Mm. They pair permanently, like, and um, it's not it's not on. It really isn't on. Like, it's like, we should have been notified and we should have been told what's going up there. And, I mean... We tried to contact the governor again yesterday, but Susan did by email and um, no response. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Should, I don't know whether or not they would have needed planning permission or anything to enhance the wall. I mean, they, were, they, were, they would have had planning permission for the existing mm. wall. Yeah, they would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, when I saw them digging first a uh, couple of weeks ago, I thought it was a road, you know, concrete and that that part that was behind the prison wall. Yeah. But I thought they were actually just concreting in there, you know, for some because they do go up and down there with uh, machinery every now and again. Yeah. But um, it's like when I looked out and saw what they were doing, mm-hmm. it was just ridiculous, you know. And then I seen them coming with the, these big steel poles on Bank Holiday Monday. Right. They started coming in with the big steel poles and they're starting to put up all those galvanised sheeting now. Because it's hard to tell from the photographs how far from, say, the back end of your garden are... Well, when I sent down the photographs yesterday, it was actually down, a bit down the park that they started and that's where I got the photographs, but they're actually right outside our back gardens now this morning. Right. You know? So you're looking out at this big, ugly metal yeah, sheet. Well, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And listening to what's coming over it. Yeah. Mm. You know, so it's, it's it's just ridiculous. Like, I mean, we should have been notified. We should be told what was going up there, and nothing. Yeah. What good would it have done telling you? Well, 
no good, really. I suppose it wouldn't have done us any good, but still, like, they should have You've known us and let yeah. us know what was going on there, you know what I mean? Because Cause don't, don't think for a minute, either of you, that if they'd said to you, oh, we're putting this up, and you said, uh, no, you're not, don't think for a second that would have stopped them, you know? Oh, they wouldn't, no. because we were the same at the prison itself. Like, you know, we went to a lot of meetings and... I remember those meetings. I, rem- yeah. I remember that row with, pe- you yeah. know, people upset with the way the back of the prison would impose on, on their lives, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. sure, that went the way it went and the thing got built. And, and, and it's been held since. And, like, it's it's right, actually right behind our back walls now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I can imagine there'd be a lot of glare come off that, uh, that galvanised sheeting and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, we don't know how much it might lack our, our light anymore, you know? Is it higher or as high as... Well, well, it looks to be almost as high as it, yeah. And right. I'd imagine there could be something else up on top of that because I don't know what exactly what way they're doing the fencing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're trying to stop stuff because, look, it's since, since God was a child, fellas have been throwing stuff in over the wall into car prison. But that was our, our, our uh, argument first day. Like, I mean, when you build a prison in the middle of a city centre, you know, in a housing estate, because that's basically where it's built. Mm. Because there were 74 houses affected Actually, there's the thing. Who was there first, the housing estate or the prison? It was, well, the housing estate. Right. The, the prison, the field where the prison was built it was just a field. The Cornell field. Yeah. yeah. And there was nothing there, really, just the fields are looking out on. But now we're looking out of the prison, and now we're getting these galvanised sheeting. Yeah. You know? If they want to get it in there, they'll get it in there. It's in the city centre, you know? And uh, neighbours have been threatened as well, like, when they, if they open their mouth. Sorry, now, who said that? Well, I, I've heard from neighbours that they're being threatened if they open their mouth over the, the stuff going in over the walls. Right, well, we don't know where that's coming from, but, but yeah, uh, people, yeah. You know, it's just ridiculous. It shouldn't have be happening. You, have you spoken to any of your public reps, either of you? No, no. Like, I, I'm living on my own. My children are rare, but I'm, I'm trying to downsize. But, I mean, I, can, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be waiting for that. Mm. You know what I mean? But it, it's just ridiculous, really. Like, I mean... When the children are out playing, they're in the language and the, the shouting and the roaring. And now this block, and we don't know how much more like this is going to block. I know. And can I ask, not that it matters, but it, it leads to my next question, Susan and Claire. Yeah. Do, are, you, are you private owners or do you rent? Rent, rent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay, okay. No, because I was saying if you're a private owner, I'm trying to sell the house. Yeah. yeah. Sure, you couldn't sell a house. Maybe nobody wants a house. Like, just to that, really, like, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not like anyone is going to hear I, I, I hate to break it to you but it's, it's not like anyone is going to hear this conversation inside in the prison and come running down with a spanner and start taking that oh, down that. Do you know what I, I mean but, but I'm very I, look I'm delighted to talk to you yeah. and, and get it out there and see what, what we ha- you have sent some pictures I, I'm not too sure if we've used them yet um, but I, I'm sure we have your, your permission to do that yeah yeah, okay. yeah. All right. And maybe I'll send you on further ones when it's completed. Yeah. Oh, there's more. Is there work going on as we speak? Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is. Yeah. They're they're only actually starting to put up those galvanised sheeting now. They were putting in these steel, um, in, you know, that they put the poles in for the galvanised sheeting. Yeah. They're they're putting those in now at the minute, and there's one or two galvanised sheeting uh, okay. sheets up. 
Okay, that's just confirmed for me there that the pictures are up on Opinion Line 96 on our Twitter for people to see the, the new wall and to see your back garden. Susan and Claire, thank you. Thank you both. 0818 96 96 96. As I said, there's no one going to hear this conversation up in the staff canteen at the prison and go, lads, you better go out there with a couple of spanners and start taking those those fences down. But we just wanted to just let people know what's happening, I guess. And they came to us, so we said, right, we'll talk to you. Uh, I kicked a ball with Teddy. This is Noel from Castle Martyr. I kicked an old ball with Teddy. He was an absolute gentleman. I think people should, should stop. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Today, for a minute at midday, in memory of the great Teddy Mac. Stopping to, just stopping to think about him this morning. Uh, there's not a, I'd say there's not a GA club in the country, certainly in the city or county, that won't have its own minute silence or its own tribute uh, to the great man at some stage over the last, uh, over the next few days, rather. I, I still think that's the best we got this morning. There's more stuff coming in, I'll get to it in a while, but uh, I still love this story. In case you missed it, it came from Michael. Michael was talking about the great hurler Anthony Daly from Clare, uh, who was attending a charity event, a match reception in Glenmire uh, at the around 2000 and a young lad in the crowd said Mr Daly how many All-Ireland medals do you have? Uh, he said I have two and the young lad asked well where did you, when did you win them? As I won them in 95 and 97 oh wow, wow, wow. and this awful in the corner <laughs> took his head up out of his pint and said show we have a fella here who got two in a fortnight Lovely. Strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly. With his 
Fuji. Killing me softly. Corks 96 FM 0818 96 96 96. Harry Styles is playing at Slane this year. And we have tickets. They're the hottest tickets of the summer. I think the thing is almost entirely sold out. Harry Styles at Slane Castle. My daughter is headed up there. I think she got the second pair of tickets in the country. So desperate we should get to see him again. But we have a pair of tickets to give away. We're looking for Harry Styles' number one fan. And you have to prove to us that you are Harry Styles' number one fan. You can go to our Instagram page, to Corks 96 FM's Instagram page right now for more details of how to win those tickets for Harry Styles at Slane. 0818 96 96 96 stuff still pouring in about uh, Teddy Mac. Finbar Bevan says he was a great soccer player as well. I refereed him in Shandon View. Sadly, he had to make a choice at 18. It's a pity because he would have been League of Ireland standard. It doesn't surprise me at all uh, to hear that, Finbar. We've been contacted also by Keith Mulcahy, who is the chair of SARS, uh, where, of course, Teddy played his hurling. And he just uh, sent us a voice note on behalf of himself and the club. This is Keith Mulcahy. DJ Teddy was absolutely iconic to us and um, we're devastated, absolutely devastated in SARS uh, and in Lamar, a wider area. Teddy was an, an idol for, for me personally and for for many in the Cork area and uh, around, I'm sure around the, con- around the country we've we've been flooded with text messages and phone calls and emails to the club um, accounts um, just passing our condolence on uh, to Teddy and his family. Um, you know, our, our thoughts at the moment are obviously with Ona, Keane, Niall and Sinead, his, his, his family and, and his brothers and, and sisters. Um, but it's, it, it's very, very hard to, to take at the moment and it really hasn't set in yet, but Teddy will be greatly missed um, by us all. Thanks, Keith. That's Keith Mulcahy, the chair of SARS, chairman of SARS. And we talked about the, the people gone before who will welcome Teddy to wherever he's headed uh, today. Uh, one of them will be my dad. Um, my dad was a, a Stars man. He played when he was. He came to Cork as a young guard and he wanted to hurl. He wanted a place to hurl. And my dad was a fine hurler in his time. He hurled into his 40s, but he, he hurled with Stars and he loved that club and uh, gave it great service in the years he was there. And he'll be one of the people meeting the great Teddy uh, on the other side. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96 Ted Tynan has the story of that wall I'll tell you in a minute Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Corks 96 FM Right, we'll come back to that uh, prison wall that uh, Councillor Ted Tynan says shouldn't even be there <clears throat> Come back to that as soon as we can but to this thing, the um, Royal College of Physicians has called for the minimum age for buying tobacco to be increased to 21. Uh, Royal College of Physicians in Ireland want to raise the legal age to 21. Haven't they done something like this in New Zealand where over the next God knows how number of years it will become illegal to buy tobacco because they're going to keep changing the age until they effectively make it illegal to buy this stuff at all. Ella Whelan joins me of a forest. Ella, good morning. Good morning. Your thoughts on this? 
Um, well, you know, the law says that we are adults when we reach the age of 18. And um, as much as most of us now know that smoking, if done for a long period of time, negatively affects your health and can give you lung cancer and the rest of it, um, can make, should be as adults able to make the free and informed decision to choose whether to smoke or not. So, I mean, the question is, do we do we think adults should be able to make that choice? And I think they should. I should have introduced you as being of Forest, which is, of course, the smokers' lobby group. Um, but the the world is turning on tobacco now, and many people would say, Ella, that uh, if we had our thoughts again about using it in the way that people use it, we would never have done it. Well, I mean, we I'll reiterate the fact that anybody who's smoking right now, unless they've been living under a rock, knows the kind of effect it has on your health long term. And um, there are plenty of things that we do as adults that can have a negative effect on us: drinking, eating too much chocolate, you know, all the rest of it. Doing extreme sports, mm. you know, cliff diving and things like that. We engage in risky behaviours because we make judgments. You know, sometimes we think that it might be pleasurable. Like having a, an adult might think having a cigarette now and then is a pleasurable experience. And the ultimate question is, are we, should we be in control of our own lives? Should we be able to make our own decisions, even if sometimes those decisions are bad ones? Um, and I think it really comes down to a question of, particularly for adults, for, uh, for freedom, which is, do you have the freedom to make decisions about your own lives, even if you <laughs> sometimes those result in bad consequences? That's a fair point. But surely, too, the fair argument is that smokers will turn up in the public health system costing the state money to treat them for illnesses caused by or attributed to cigarettes that they might have avoided if they never started so it'll save the taxpayers money if they can't buy them until later in life I think we get into very dodgy territory when we start to say that um, the way in which we organise the National Health Service is on the basis of um, whether or not someone is deserving you know, it, you could apply that same uh, logic to, you know, would you treat someone with a broken leg because they've decided to, you know, like go uh, jump out of a plane? You could say, well, they were free to make that choice and so therefore they don't deserve to put pressure on the taxpayer. But I mean, that, that, isn't, what, that, that, isn't, that isn't the twist on it that I had. What I said was that if we could, if we, if maybe the thinking is, if the purchase age was raised to 21, then people might, I stress might, not start smoking until later, which might, again I stress might, re- lessen th- the cost to the health service of treating illnesses caused by or attributed to smoking. Well, we know that if you look at the data, we know that things that have been introduced like making packages, this kind of sludgy dark green colour with no pi- with no, no pictures on them other than of sort of gangrenous legs and rotted uh, lungs, that hasn't affected um, smoking rates. We know that increasing the price hasn't in, uh, you know, yeah. affected smoking rates. The one thing that has worked very well for helping people quit smoking is the introduction of vapes and those are now under attack as well. So people don't we generally know looking at the data that people don't respond well to being 
nannied to use that term and so rather than you know i think the, the thing to do if we if we care about public health is to give people choices give them the information which we have in spades now about smoking i mean every time you go to the doctor they ask you do you smoke and gives you a kind of lecture about about it and and i think lay off people and say in particular for adults it's more damaging to suggest that we don't have the freedom or the capabilities to make our own decisions than it is to deal with let's let's put it bluntly the few people left who smoke smoking mm. rates have plummeted in the last yeah. sort of two decades well, well let's let's talk about other rules then that are in place the, the speed limit my car can quite happily career up the motorway at 180 kilometres an hour, quite comfortably for me. Risky, but quite comfortable. I'm an adult, I might choose to do that. So why is the state then allowed to place a speed limit on the road? Well, because you can kill someone in the car, quite obviously. But the And there is a lot of bad science um, around the issue of passive smoking. I mean, in in England, there have been laws passed which mean that smokers can't uh, even have a cigarette on the pavement because passive smoking has been, you, you know, talked about as a means of sort of killing people that are walking past you on the street. That's all ridiculous. We know that unless you are <laughs> pretty much blowing cigarette into someone's directly into someone's face the effects of passive smoking are very debatable and you know there is we always have to balance the harms that we can cause to someone else with our own freedoms you know that's what and with things like uh the speed limit or things like other, you know other regulations we have in public life you come out on balance having a bit of a compromise. No, you can't drive as fast as you want because it might kill someone. On the issue of smoking, the stick has been bent towards demonising smokers again and again and again, now preventing adults of the legal age of 18 potentially from buying a box of fags if they want to. And, you know, just from a freedom perspective, I think there's a real problem there. You're talking to someone, by the way, who has never smoked but has many friends and colleagues who do and I have absolutely no objection to it. And I remember when the smoking ban came in here, I felt for them because they were sent out to smoke in the rain and the wind and the cold. Um, so so you're not talking to some kind of anti-smoking zealot here in case you think you are. But but then you you, you think... To increase it to 21, you'd wonder, is that the thin end of the, end of the wedge? I mean, what they intend to do in New Zealand, I think, is they'll eventually make it illegal to buy it, to, to buy it at all. Yeah, and if you go down that route, I mean, where why stop at cigarettes? Why not have bans on alcohol, which can likewise kill you? You know, why not have bans on biscuits, which, if consumed to excess, can give you diabetes and kill you as well? Yeah. I think you know, part of the the it, for me, it's actually not really a lot of the time about smoking because we all know that smoking is bad for you. I have a child. I hope that he never takes up smoking because we we know the health risks that that it you know that smoking brings on um and we're far more educated about what smoking does to you than you would you know for my parents generation for example but it's not really about the smoking it's about what it says as a society what it, what we view how we view adults and how we view adult agency if we think we need all of these protective measures and all of these protective legislate bits of legislation to be brought in to control our behavior and as someone who thinks that adults are <laughs> pretty smart and a lot of the time make the right decisions for themselves and their families I resent the state encroaching on my freedom to this extent to tell me when when I can and can't smoke, when I can and can't drink when I can and can't eat 
and all the rest of it. Ella, we'll leave it there. You make your point very well. Thank you. Ella Whelan of Forest, the Smokers Lobby Group. Your thoughts, uh, I'd welcome them. As a, as a non-smoker who isn't an anti-smoker, by the way, I'd, I'd welcome them. Um, Royal College of Physicians said the age of 21 should apply as the minimum legal age for purchasing tobacco. Your thoughts very welcome. 0818 96 96 96. Right, Councillor Ted Tynan, back to the prison wall. It, uh, that's, he's gone. Uh, we're having trouble connecting with Ted. He says it shouldn't even be there. Uh, that it should actually be out of the city altogether. Um, we'll get him back again. Michal Martin was Minister for Health. He put 50 cents on the price of a packet of cigarettes. At the time, he said it would be more than compensate for the cost of smoking when challenged, but he did it because he wanted to discourage smoking over and above its cost. Smoking taxes are more than paying for smokers' diseases because most years they have gone up by more than the rate of inflation. Your, again, your thoughts on raging, raising raising the legal age of purchasing tobacco. Right, I think we finally nailed down Ted Tynan about this prison wall. It shouldn't even be there, Ted. Good morning. Exactly, PJ. Um, uh, I wasn't directly in it, but I, I, I definitely supported the campaign at the time by the residents in, um, in, in the Glen area, particularly those who have now ended up living in the shadow of this um, mass concrete wall. It should never have been built there. There was a proposal at the time that it would be built in a greenfield area up by Kilworth. Um, that didn't work out, but it shouldn't have been built there, quite honestly, um, on, on, on top of people's homes. And in fact, in relation to the proposal, um, at the time there was a meeting in the area about, I'd say about three or four months ago, Of um, we were invited, to, and the six councillors in the ward area were invited mm. I think there was three or maybe four of us attended. There was definitely three anywhere. And that was, I think, John Maher, um, Oliver Moore and myself. I think Ken O'Flynn may have been there as well. But anyway, the, um, what, what I actually suggested there, that first of all, the important people to contact here are the residents of the area. They, they must be consulted with because they've been putting up, living with this big blank wall behind them. And I came away from that meeting that the people locally would be consulted, number one, which is important. Mm. And number two, that the type of um, a sort of um, a chain link kind of fencing would go up that wouldn't be ugly looking, that it would be pleasant to the eye, that it could even be a bit of artwork made on it as well mm. from the... And Coxley are full of um, arty type people that, and that could do a nice job on like they're doing with gable walls around the city centre, stuff like that, to make it pleasant to the eye at least, mm. and also to get people in, when they're in their back gardens and backyards, a bit of privacy from the from the windows at some along some section of the wall there are uh, prison cells. Yeah, and, and they say <clears throat> the two ladies I spoke to, Susan and Claire, say that they can hear activity and foul language and all of that That's right, yeah. from inside. Yeah, that that exercise yard my, in there it is. My, Myself, I was contacted by a woman down there, and I went down there to speak to her and one of her neighbours. While we were standing, you could hear the expletives being uh, coming from the windows in, in, in high up behind our houses. And you would imagine, oh, in sunny weather, people are sitting out in their back garden and yard and all that. Mm. Those who are lucky enough to have them. 
and these expletives are being shouted out. Yeah. You know, so it's not nice. It the environment is not nice there, uh, PJ. Yeah. If so, if stuff and it has been happening since um, if if stuff is being thrown in and it has been happening for years, yeah. you have to find a way to stop it. Yeah, and that's what the pops of this fence would be to prevent that from happening. Um, drugs or whatever paraphernalia would be thrown over the wall. That the um, that this fencing would then prevent that from happening. And it would also remove the gathering of certain individuals in the area who are um, <clears throat> uh, delivering stuff over the wall to their friends inside, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but it's um, the wall is there now. It's ugly and it should be beautified. And a nice little sort of fencing would, would be the ideal thing. And that's the impression I came away from. But again, as I say, PJ, the important people here are the people living in the area. Mm. And I think the prison authorities, along with city council, um, should should knock on doors. Uh, should give them a, a plan and an exact idea of what is proposed. So you would then remove any of the opposition that is now building there. You know. Okay. So. All right, Ted. Thank you for that. That's a councillor Ted Trinans. That new fence going up at the back of the prison wall really annoying the residents of Brandon Court. But there's an explanation of sorts, at least from Ted, who says it shouldn't even be there but that ship unfortunately has long since sailed Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning Welcome along to the programme Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan Sundays 10am to 2pm With Cork Simon Do you want to leave a legacy to the city you love? Find out more about leaving a gift in your will at CorkSimon.ie Cork's 96FM The minds are live Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Yeah, expect queues will form very quickly for that book of condolences for Teddy Mac, which has opened at City Hall. Uh, Lord Mayor Jade Ford opening that and signing it. In first name on it this morning. It'll stay open for a week or two and be open all day there in the new City Hall building. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. Your text or WhatsApp is 083 96 96 96. Now, it is 44 days to my holidays. Yes, I am that geeky. I am counting stuff down. I do it all year round. I keep an app on my phone. For example, it's 200 days to Christmas. Did you know that? Yes, 200 days to Christmas. But it's 44 days to my holidays. I don't know how long it is to your holidays, but now is the time to be doing your checklist. But if you're booking a holiday and looking to go somewhere, be it at home or abroad, you want to be avoiding scams because there are so many scam artists out there and it is so easy. Reading articles in the newspapers this morning about people's cards being fleeced and cleaned out by a never-ending series of different scams. Talking to a good pal of mine over the weekend, he lost nine grand. Nine grand in a couple of hours. Now, he'll get it back. He will get it back because he's been his bank had been very good. But he got fleeced. 
and it's happening everywhere and it's happening in the holiday market as well. I'm joined by Sarah Slattery of the travelexpert.ie and we'll catch up on checklists in a minute Sarah but scams as, as for everyone who wants a holiday there's somebody who wants to scam them out of their money good morning Hi PJ, how are you? Very good. Um, yes, unfortunately, God, that's uh, that's also what what happened to your friend there. Yeah. Um, there hasn't. I haven't heard too much in the travel space, to be honest. Um, bar, I suppose the 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 sometimes you hear a lot of. Um, particularly teens and that have heard a few leaving third holidays, uh, booking villas and private apartments and uh, homes abroad and mm. they get there and they're not available. And um, there seems to be quite a lot of that going on. I mean, I suppose a lot of it is is just be be careful of where, if you are booking online, of who you're booking with. You know, I'd always recommend booking with an Irish travel agency for, for peace of mind anyway. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, they, they put 10% of their turnover in a, in a bond to, to cover you in case, things, in case anything goes wrong um, you don't get that kind of guarantee with any um, other websites even UK websites or you know companies not registered in Ireland so if you are booking in any of those uh, just firstly check the well ideally don't um, book with an Irish an Irish agency or a company registered here but if you are um, check the reviews um, mm-hmm. and, and even particularly on properties because sometimes you'll see you know on the likes of booking.com or any of these, you know, um, it'll be marked as excellent or 9.5 out of 10. But if you look closely, there may only be four or five reviews on that. It could be somebody's granny or friends or aunties yeah. or uncles or something reviewing those properties. I would much prefer to have um, a property rated like 8.5 instead of 9.5, but with hundreds or thousands of views on it. You know, that's kind of more important. Check the number of views rather than the the, the um, necessarily the quality. So yeah. that that's an important one. To, to watch out for you'd, as well. You'd prefer people to go through an, an Irish agency or an agency that has a registration here. People use yeah. booking.com and people use another one. I've used it myself, holiday lettings yeah. all, all, all the time. If if something goes wrong on a big site like that, I mean, booking.com, the biggest site in the world. Booking.com, you'd probably be, yeah. I mean, they, they would have a customer service um, and, you know, they would be obviously very reputable. Um, but um, it's I suppose it's more the, the sort of ones that you haven't heard. I'd be more concerned about. Um, Flytonight.com, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, yeah, exactly. And also just to check, um, just compare prices, you know, um, because a lot of, I mean, I've often said this, you know, about, about people look at the, the headline price without actually seeing what's involved. Is it a non-refundable rate? Is there extra deposits paid? How much do you have to pay in advance to secure it? Um, and, you know, and where is that money going? Because, um, you know, I even saw even in Ryanair's uh, fantastic results there uh, last week, people are paying 23 euros per person on average extra in ancillary charges now. That's like priority boarding or seat selection and things like that. They're 23 euros per person. So sometimes, you know, the the, the headline or the, the the price you see straight away, I mean, that's nearly 100 euros for a family. Yeah. So the price you see straight away isn't necessarily, you know, add in the extra, see what you're getting, see what's included. I mean, some places in villas, you have to pay to heat the pool, you have to pay extra for electricity, you have to pay, you know. So just look at the small print, I suppose, is, yeah. is something as well just to consider. One, one thing is air conditioning, and it's got, with the climate situation now, people are more conscious, and particularly parts of Spain, they're more conscious about using air conditioning, and you'll find you have to use a coin-op on the wall, and it's a hungry coin-op. But find that yeah, out before yeah. you go. 
Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. That's a good one to point out. And Wi-Fi, I mean, you would think uh, most places now, Wi-Fi just should be free everywhere, you know, but like it, it's not always the case. No. If people can try and can charge an extra for something, they will, you know, particularly if it's a if it's a, a place that's not necessarily reputable. And I find it, it does, in fairness, tend to happen with people booking like private homes that are managed separately rather than the, you know, big hotel chains or big reputable websites. So that's probably more important to watch out from that point of view. Yeah, I had horrendous experience a few years back in Santa Ponza where we brought all of our devices and we had Wi-Fi included and it was fantastic it was as fast as lightning until we tried to put a third device on it and went down to reception and said oh yeah it's 20 euros per device after the first two (laughs) What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that's a common. That's a good one, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Um, checklists. Now, I am. A, I'm. My my wife would tell you I'm a pain in the neck. I'm putting a checklist together almost since the day we booked the holiday, and I will arrive with me. I'm silly, Sarah. I arrive with me clipboard and me Polly pocket with everything in well, it. No. <laughs> At least you, you you know that the chances are you're not likely to have anything go wrong in you. So you know we shouldn't knock it. Yeah. So there are things that we should all be preparing now. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you're probably lucky down there. You don't have the car parking issues in Cork Airport. But certainly if you're flying from Dublin, um, book your car park now. Um, I saw a lady there is, is renting out her driveway yesterday. Uh, so an article yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, just because of how busy it is in Dublin Airport. So definitely book your car park. You like really, people have nothing to lose because you can always, if you do, turns out you are, you can get a lift near the time or get a taxi. You can always cancel twenty four hours in advance. So just book it now to be sure you actually have your space if you're going in July August. Hopefully later on in the year they'll have this new uh, car park uh, sorted. But for the summertime, it's unlikely that's going to happen. So just get your car park booked early um, that's the, the the first one from Dublin and then insurance travel insurance again it probably sounds like a bit of an obvious one but you'd be amazed the amount of people who leave it until the last minute and um, you've got this most insurances now have a mor- moratorium in place of 14 days yeah. so you make you need to book it at least 14 days in advance to be covered for cancellation um, and things like that as well yeah it and it's quite in fact holiday, holiday insurance these days is quite cheap when you buy it in in association Absolutely. with your, it's with one your of the cheapest parts of your holiday, yeah. you know, it's it's certainly cheaper than your seat selection and priority boarding anyway you know yeah. um, like absolutely it's one of the cheapest parts of the holiday so definitely get it I usually take it for the year I think it's at yeah. least you have it then and you don't have to think about it um, but definitely make sure if you are if you haven't got it yet you get it at least two weeks beforehand people will say Sarah but I've got I've got my EHIC I've got my as we used to call it before E111 I'm covered you mightn't be yeah, that only covers you. I mean, it's. I mean, look, no harm to get it uh, if you're traveling. First of all, it's just for Europe. Um, but it also covers you in a public hospital. Like it doesn't cover you if you have to get our ambulance or if you're going to a private clinic or or if you've, you have to cancel your holiday for some reason. You're your bags go missing or um, or you need to stay on later or come home early or anything like that. Like it's literally, it's, it's it only covers you for services in a public hospital that you would get here in the same that you would get here in Ireland. But it doesn't cover you for any of those other things. So um, yeah, it's important to make sure you have specific travel insurance. If you intend to hire a car, buy an insurance policy here, an, an excess insurance yeah, there's a brilliant policy. Um, it's an Irish company, or well, it's it's owned by um, the same company who owns Blue Insurance. They're based in in um, 
Blanchardstown in Dublin, carhireexcess.ie, they're called. And they have this great policy. I've been buying it myself now for years. It's two ninety nine a day um, in Europe, or you can buy a yearly policy as well. And it covers you against the excess if you have an accident abroad. I don't know if you've ever hired, hired a car, PJ, but these salespeople behind the desk, I think, are the best salespeople they've mm-hmm. known to man. And you end up you know, handing over silly money for insurance that you don't need. I was quoted 16 euros per day for the excess insurance when I was in Fort Ventura at Easter. And I had got it for 2.99 a day um, from carhireexcess.ie. So it's great because, you know, you arrive tired, you just, they blind you with science and you end up paying for something you really don't need. So having that before you go is brilliant. And you can be sure that all the major renters will recognise it when you present it to them. Yeah, well, you see, it only covers you for the excess if you have damage. So it's, you still need your regular car insurance, oh, yeah. um, your CDW, but that's usually included in the rental price anyway. So what it happens is usually what happens, they say to you, oh, yeah, you have insurance, but if you have an accident, you'll have to pay 3000 in excess. So people panic at that point and then they go, OK, well, I'll pay my 16 euros a day. So that's really what you're what you're covered for. It's it's the excess if you have an accident, as opposed to it's not a travel, it's not a actual insurance policy for you. You'll still need um, insurance, car insurance as well. But inevitably, people usually do end up paying that extra over there. I think, you know, you're, you're tired after flight, your kids are hanging out and you just pay whatever whatever they ask for. Whereas when you have this, at least you have the peace of mind of knowing that um, that you're covered before you go. Yeah. Pre-booking your transfers, you again will find it much cheaper to pop online and pre-book your bus or your cab to wherever you're going. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of sites now that do it. Um, I've used Get Transfers quite a lot. They're like a bidding system. So people, a bit kind of like Uber, that they bid. Um, so you can get really lucky and get much cheaper rates than other companies. Um, but there's other sites like Hoppa, lots of them now, um, holiday taxis. But um, even if, if you do want to get a taxi, all I'd say is, you know, we're talking about scams earlier. Taxi scams are the, the, <laughs> the most notorious on holidays. Mm-hmm. So even just check before you go. So, if you you know, what is the price? Just a simple Google um, search. What is the price from Faroe Airport to mm-hmm. Alvor in a taxi or approximate price? So at least when you get in, you know, and if they say double that, you know, they're, they're trying to pay in off, advance. You know? if so you, just, you, lots of sites well, will let you pay in advance. It's better to obviously to pre have your ta- your transfers pre booked. But if you are if you you know if you are planning on getting a, a taxi, um, just check the rates before you get in, and that applies when you're abroad as well. When you're on holidays, mm-hmm. you know, just find out. Uh, I always find if you can place, particularly place like Portugal, Uber is great, so cheap, um, usually much cheaper than taxis. So just you know, download that before you go. Okay, a new one on me, Sarah. Uh, Apple Air, buy an Apple AirTag. Yeah, no, I thought now with your checklist you'd have that. Oh, that's <laughs> a new one? Go, you'll have to go and get it now. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's great. It's uh, It was very popular last year when we had all the lost luggage um, during the summer months. So it's about €35. Euro. It looks like a little coin and um, it works if you have an iPhone. Basically, it's it works on a, a network system. I'm not sure of the tech, but basically, um, if you put it in your case, you can see by the app on your phone where your your case is at all times. So you'll know it's in the hold if it hasn't arrived and you're or standing it's in at Frankfurt. Parasol. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you can see where it is. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I have known people who've told airlines where it is and it has helped them recover their cases. But it's really more for peace of mind, knowing that you're, you're, um, you can see where your case is or if they say it's on the way, you know it really mm. is on the way. 
Um, and it's only 35 euros. So you get them in most okay. um, like Harvey Normans or Curry's or, or you can get it on Amazon or any of those. So it's definitely worth having. It's one of those. I know some people who use them for their bikes here as well in, in Dublin, you know, just so in case their bike is stolen, they can see where it is. So they're yeah. just a handy gadget to sure. have anyway. Lastly, Sarah, just off the checklist for a second. You mentioned Dublin earlier on and last year was carnage. Absolute carnage. People queuing for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. How is it looking this year? It's looking great, to be honest. We Dublin, we June Bank Holiday there. I think they had fifty-five thousand people more than 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 the the number of people they had when we had the disaster last year, and everything went without a hitch. Um, there's security. There, they have lots more restaurants coming on stream as well. Uh, no, absolutely no problems from what I can see, bar the car park. Uh, that seems to be the big bone of contention. Um, this year and and in fairness to Dublin Air they've, they've come out very vocal about it they've told the people that they're going to have a problem and to book early so um, that seems to be from what I can see touch wood that seems to be the only issue okay. that's uh, yeah. likely to happen this summer that thing you were thinking about I was thinking about but I go is park PNP you know, actually it's an app where people in Dublin have now started renting out their driveways yeah. If to live near the airport, it's great, to, isn't to, it? <laughs> to be everything we see today. Sarah, thank you, Sarah Slattery. The travel expert.ie is her website. Plenty of deals and bargains and tips and tricks on it. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Corks 96 FM's Week in Ibiza is coming. Listen to Win Your Way to the World's Most Famous Party Island. <laughs> Party Island. Just watch me dance. Seven nights at the Wiki Woo Hotel. Tickets to David Getter, Joe Corey, and Ocean Beach. Dinner at Cafe Mambo for the famous Habitha Sunset. And spending money. Spending money. Are you ready? Summertime. Oh, yeah. Stay listening to Cork's 96 FM weekdays for the biggest hits of the White Isle. Then text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Win, win, win. Your way to a week in Ibiza. Only on Cork's 96FM. Talking to Sarah there about holidays and getting ready for holidays. Another one of my book recommendations for you landed this morning. And I'm, I'm kind of sorry it did. I'm glad it did. But I'm kind of sorry it did because I was hoping not to read it until I actually am on my holidays. But now I won't be able to resist it. I speak of the new book by Cork's own Catherine Kerwin, A Lesson in Malice, which is based in and around UCC. It's the third in her Finn Fitzpatrick series. Wonderful books, brilliantly written, set in Cork, so accurate in the geography, so accurate in the Corkisms, because of course she's one of our own. But great book. I, I, I'm, I'm actually a bit cross I got it so early because I won't be able to resist the damn thing. A Lesson in Malice, Catherine Kerwin. It, it comes out at the end of the month, uh, so it might be worth sticking that in the suitcase next to the Apple tag. 0818 96 96 96. Well, why on earth would I want a goat? <laughs> why would I want a goat? Well, everyone wanting a goat, why would I want to rent one? Um, Billy Walsh, people make a business out of anything. Get me this. You're you're renting goats out, Billy Walsh. Why? Good morning. Good morning. How are you getting on? Very well, sir. 
Very well. Why are you renting out goats and who's renting them from you? Okay. Uh, the reason why I'm renting them out is uh, there's a various amount of reasons why I'm doing it. Is, um, I suppose the biggest reason is the educational and the building awareness around the environment is the main reason why I'm doing it. And who I'm doing it with is mainly Heritage Ireland, County Council, schools and estates. Now, they'll eat anything. These these devils. So is they, and I remember a couple of years ago, they were looking for them in Crosshaven to yeah. tidy up weeds around Temple Breedy. Is, is that yeah. the kind of thing I'd rent them for? Um, you can, uh, but see what what I provide really is um, I provide a, a service. So they're, they're they're trained goats. So it takes me a year and a half to train my goats, um, and. Um, the main reason is for overgrowth. Uh, overgrowth in invasive species is the biggest area that I rent out my goats for. So you tra- you train them in in what way? Yeah, so I train them to get used to people. Um, I train them to be around people and around dogs. So for the goats to do a, a good job, you need them to concentrate on all the area, not just one area because if you have wild goats or if you farm goats they'll have a tendency to stay away in the corner of a site mm. whereas you want goats to manage the whole area so that's the biggest reason why I train them so I hand rear my goats so I get them at 12 weeks old um, I hand rear them I take them for a walk I get the kids to take them for a walk mm. and then we go into school so we start that way then and we get they get used to people, and so on and so on. So they're, they're friendly little things. Any goat I've ever met has been reasonably friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose they have a bad reputation, PJ. Um, I suppose a lot of people got goats. Uh, you know, one or two goats. But uh, what goats need? They need integrity. So they need to be in a herd, and they need to be managed properly. And yeah, so there is a. There's, uh, they need to be winning a herd um, as in the matriarch and the leader and the lead buck and that's where I come in then I shepherd them around so I have my leader and I have my guards uh, goat as well so You'd you'd be a goat herd then? So I'm a goat herder, shepherd educator um, and educator all of the above Yeah. Tell me what you've been doing in Beaumont Quarry a place I know very very well Yes so what happened was um, Cork Nature Network got onto me and they wanted to find a solution rather than using chemicals or machinery. Um, so they contacted me and um, we came up with a, a way of managing it. So I'm going to be bringing the goats on site. So I'll be bringing them on site from 7 o'clock in the morning to 7 o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. They'll be coming home and we'll be maintaining that site uh, from next week on and in, in July as well, and then for the next three years. So it's a wow. management scheme. Because, yeah, yeah th- that quarry is one of the most overgrown, mad, out-of-control places. I can remember it from my childhood. It was crazy overgrown. Yeah, it is. It's really overgrown. But if you really get a chance to go down there and see the goats in action, it's amazing how they attack it. So they, their browsers are not quizzers, so they'll put their heads up and they'll strip everything down. So they're, they're hitting the non-natives. It's, it's the old man's beers 
Um, it's a climber, um, uh, so they'll strip everything from the top down. So if you brought in sheep there, it, it, it wouldn't have the same effect. So they're grazers. So when, you say their tra- when you say train them, then yeah. really, I'm, it's an awful stupid, simple question. Yeah. Are you training them to recognise what to eat or what? <laughs> that as well too. So I manage woodlands as well. So um, I try to replicate nature as much as possible. So I, I, I kind of run my goats through uh, woodlands and I train them um, to listen to my commands. So t- I tell them to stop or move on or in, out. So they actually follow my commands uh, as well. And we kind of work together um, and I manage the woodlands afterwards, uh, trimming anything dead, damaged and diseased within the woodlands and just trying to replicate nature as much as possible. So that's a part of what I do as well. Um, at the moment, I'm working in Ardmore on the cliff walk and we're trying to improve the biodiversity of the site. So trying to make um, inways into the gorse there and making pathways, clearing uh, patches for or native flora to move in and also we're um, trying to make a sense of the Air 20 sign in Ardmore so trying to locate that um, sign that's there as well. Remarkable. And I think for people whose back gardens might have got a bit out of control or who bought a house or a moving house and the the garden's a bit mad you can bring them in to clear that out. Um, I suppose if I did I'd be a very busy man. Um, I'd say you would. <laughs> I, I don't actually do that because uh, I, I get emails, people are worried, um, my garden is overgrown, um, I don't know how to manage it, um, I get loads of emails every week on that, and it, it just creates a lot of stress for people. But what I, I say to them is, uh, when they get on to me, just cut a pathway through it, mm. um, and enjoy nature. So, like, what I use my goats for, really, is um, making connections back to nature. So people come out and they look at the goats, but then they get curious about the site, about what's growing there, why they're doing it, and then we start creating conversations then about, you know, um, climate proofing and the environment and how we're treating it, coming up with solutions. So, yeah. So that's the biggest part of what I do as well. So when they're on site in in Oman Quarry, We'll have school visits, um, kids will start to interact, we'll, I have questions, we have exercises, uh, send out videos to school, and so we partake in the whole thing around the environment and the goats. That's really cool. Billy, yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking Billy, like, as a, as a goat herd, I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, listen, thank you. Yeah, and and no good, good luck with everything that you do. <laughs> Wonderful. That's Billy. <laughs> Billy Walsh, your Billy's Red and Rent to go. <laughs> Cleaning out Beaumont Quarry. They'll have the work cut out for them. I'll tell you. <laughs> There's an idea someone phoned in earlier on, and I think it's a wonderful idea. It's probably fraught with security issues. But then, there's always a solution or a possible one. So Chris got on to us. We were talking about Teddy McCarthy and the the sad news of his passing. And of course, his funeral will be huge. But Chris said, wouldn't it be a lovely idea if we were able to retrieve the Liam McCarthy and the Sam Maguire 
and that Jamal Small and Larry Tompkins would hold them high in honour of their friend at uh, Teddy's funeral. And I just thought, what an absolutely marvellous idea. Now, Chris was saying he would, he would drive to Kerry and Limerick to collect them, but there could be multiple security issues involved there, even though it is still a super idea and one that I would love to see happen. Dennis got on and said, PJ, if you ask Barry Keating from Bismarck Wedding Photographers, they have replicas of Sam and Liam. And I'm sure that you could gladly get a loan of them for the funeral. I think it can be made to happen. I think we can get, at very least, we get replicas of Sam and Liam uh, at the funeral for Teddy. Because the only man to have won the two of them in the same year, the only man ever, I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea to have them at his funeral. Replicas, absolutely replicas if we can get them there. 0818 96 96 96. The last 99 I had was last Sunday. We were down in Gary Vaux for the afternoon and I stopped off in the garage in Ladiesbridge on the way down there. And the lovely night, they had that. I, on a completely side note, I find it very hard to get the, the kind of ice cream that I like anymore out of an ice cream machine. I love the ice cream that is really frozen. It's, there's almost crystals in it. There's a thing about it being so creamy these days. I find it too creamy and too sweet. But this one, the garage in Ladiesbridge, has got the ice cream, the proper ice cream. And we had uh, had a 99. Now, how I eat my 99 is I get the flake and I shove it down into the ice cream as far down into the cone as it'll go and then eat around it so that by the time I actually get to it, the flake is frozen solid. But people are cribbing about the flakes because the production of the little chocolate flake has changed and people are not as happy with them as they used to be. It's almost like the time they changed the flavour of Tanora. People are not happy. Next. Cork's 96FM presents the Cork Summer Show on June 17th and 18th. Enjoy Munster's largest outdoor food market. Live music, horticulture, cookery demos and much more. See all the farm animals as well. Horses, cows, sheep, chickens and a pet dog show too. Check it out on social. Don't miss the Cork Summer Show. Saturday 17th and Sunday 18th of June at the showgrounds in Curraheen. Getting there is easy. Free park and ride. Take the 208 bus to the gate or drive with free parking. The best day of the Summer. Fun for all the family. Proudly supported by Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. So it would seem that the production of the chocolate flake has been moved to Egypt and it has been changed. The taste is different. The quality isn't as good, so I'm told. But people are still buying 99s like it was going out of fashion. But the, the chocolate's very soft and inclined to break up. Let us speak to someone who probably serves more 99s in a day than I could possibly eat in a year. And reigning Cork Person of the Year, Angela Cantwell from Angela's in Fountainstown. Hey, Ange. How are you, Peter? How are you, girl? You all right? I'm not. Bad. You must have been busy the last few days. Oh, we were. We were. It was the best ever. The last time I remember it being so busy here in Fountainstown 
was 1989 when we bought the ship. Really? I'm telling you, you have an idea. The atmosphere was wonderful. All the traders and myself, we all did very well. The people were so happy you haven't an idea. And, and the tide was up as well at the weekend, which always makes it a little bit better. It was, yes, when the tide is in, you know. Fantastic. So, the 99s, <laughs> the change in the 99s. Oh, my God. I, 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 I couldn't believe it when um, Fergie rang me because I was giving out to my daughter, Louise, because I said, Louise, you can't use the tongues anymore to put the you know, the flake into the ice cream because it's breaking. Right. They're but very I, crumbly, I, are they? Very crumbly. I actually had three boxes, you know, we say um, plastic containers full of crumble. Crikey. So it's, they're terrible this year. Right, right. And, and, they have a new, and they have a new maker, yeah? I didn't know that myself to my daughter Louise said. Yeah. I didn't know that. But it says Cadbury's. Yeah, yeah, but Cadbury's, you know. Yeah, yeah. but there is definitely a difference. There is, yeah. Yeah, they're still selling though. It's 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 a thing. There's no ice cream tastes nicer than the ice cream at the beach. Oh, definitely. But wait, I tell you, you know what you said there now about putting the flakes down into the ice cream. Yeah. For for the first time, I saw that two days ago. Really? Yeah. I couldn't believe it that he was putting it in. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> but, I know, I know. Yeah, and is the, are the cones a bit different this year as well? Yes. I have a full box of cones now to go back to my suppliers because the cones are very brittle. Really? I wouldn't even get, I wouldn't even get my cones now delivered. I'd go up and, and bring them down myself. Oh, so they're, they're breaking inside in the box? No, yes, but they're also breaking when people hold them. They don't hold them the right way. I'm sure now all my customers, they know that. I say, you're holding it wrong. Hold it up to the top and it won't break. That's right. That's right. Me, the end breaks off halfway. That's right. We've, we've all seen that. The child gets the 99 and they're leaning over to get the first taste of it. And, oh, it's on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Poor child. I to train a lot of people, you know. To eat it properly, not not to turn the cone, turn their head if they're licking it. You know. <laughs> Come here, oh, the, the, the atmosphere down here, I'm telling you, is wonderful. Right, yeah, wonderful. and the, the the car park is brilliant as well this year. They've they've resurfaced the back of it, and it looks brilliant. Oh, it is, it is. Everybody's commenting on it, and our flower beds over and everything. Lovely. And you know, it's just fabulous. Funky town, now, as you know, Paddy over. He's yeah. flying as well with the weather, and it's gorgeous. Fantastic. Fabulous. Only do need a few more, you know, toilets, like, you know. Yeah, they're there. But eventually, but eventually, you know, we will get nice toilets over there because it's getting like Spain here now. Really? Oh, you oh. mean people oh. needing toilets? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Should there be thousands down here at the weekend? But that was great to see. That was fantastic it was to see. Wonderful. I, I, I decided to go east on Sunday. I should I should have come down to you. Come here. Are you still are you still doing the slices? We are. Good, good. <laughs> but you know something? It's the elderly people love it. And the Americans love it. The Americans love the waivers. Oh, sure, they're fabulous. They're the best. They're the and best we're having a lot of Americans and visitors down this year. Isn't it great? 
Isn't it fantastic? We have a little, a little, a little corner paradise on our doorstep, uh, Fountainstown, and indeed Myrtler as well over the road. But that's Angela from the famous Angela's in Fountainstown, and the reigning Cork person of the year, and she's chuffed to bits about that. And so is everyone who knows her. Kerry O'Neill's at Fitzpatrick's in Downtown. The machines themselves have changed or have gotten ridiculously expensive. Kerry, have they? Good morning. Good morning. How are you, PJ? Great. Great. The, Good. The, the well, pri- I have to say, I, cur- I, I thoroughly concur with Angela about the, the flake situation. I know uh, Cadbury's, I think they moved to some of their production to Egypt in 2020. And yeah. there's definitely been a, a major change in it because even the width of them is not the same, you know. And uh, I thought so I quickly. saw that. I thought I noticed mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like her, we're ending up with like the silver foil has loads of crumb on the end of it. Now, no problem for someone like us because we actually just throw that into cake upstairs, yeah. you know. <laughs> so it goes on a strawberry and cream log or something different. But it's it's a, like people can't use it for lots of things. So it's it's really a waste. So, um, yeah, the, I definitely think there's been a major change in that. I'm listening to you, how you take yours. Yeah. Um, if I'm to take mine, I like to put one flake down into the middle of the cone before it's poured and then get your second one into the top. That's Oh no! Oh, that oh, that's 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 high end stuff. That yeah. is that's that's diabetes well, on a cone. That is that's. <laughs> yeah, but, well, but we we've always been a stopping off point for people, you yeah. know, um, on the old Cork Yall Road. Um, so lots of people remember us for the ice creams, and um, uh, you know, even uh, when my mum would chat to people and mention the name, they'd be like, "Oh my God, we always stopped there for cones." Mm. Um, and there's a lot of tradition, a lot of memories in people's heads around things like that, I think, always. One thing your place was great for was for getting the one that actually was like an ice cream. It was lovely and cold. Yeah. Some of yeah. them are very creamy but, and sweet, but, you know, I love the yeah, really cold and that, one. And that's the mix as well and the machines. And I, like I was saying um, to Fergal, the machines had cha- have changed a bit as well. And actually, we're looking at machines at the moment as well because we're just finding some of them aren't get the, the mix is very soft so mm. you're not getting that lovely height in them and then obviously they're they're just melting on people so but i was saying that a new machine at the moment is running at about 20 between 20 and 22000 euros what so <laughs> yeah when you buy a car for that carry I know, I know. And I was asking my mum yesterday, does she remember? Because apparently she told me one of we were one of the first shops around Cork to have, you know, a cone machine. There wasn't a lot of those, like the ice cream concepts you see now, like the moods and all those. They weren't there then. And she actually remembers the year we got our first machine because it was the year I was born. I'm going to be giving away my age here now, which is drastic. But I, <laughs> 1978, okay. <laughs> And she, she, her vague recollection is that the machine cost about. It was expensive at the time, but it was about between three and a half and four thousand pounds. Wow. Yeah, but like the ice creams were one of the things that helped build our business. Like she would still say that to this day. And and I mean, my dad was a great man for going out and, and doing things with ice creams. He used to bring down the local soccer club here, Glenthorne United. Whenever they won a game, the whole team would arrive down with Martin for free ice creams. Ah, how cool. Now, that kind of went out when they didn't win the game. They still came down for free ice creams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't put one past the guy. It's been very hard to keep prices down. I know most places have worked really hard to do it. Yeah, well, I I, I saw because we got a call from the Independent for this article and they said like that the price of the 99s now around Dublin, the most expensive one they saw was €3.70. 
No, that's a lot of money for a 99. Um, we moved ours up 20 cents last, like this season. So ours are at 270 now. And, but a lot of places apparently are around the three euro mark. But I suppose it's, you know, ours run off water as well. And like water, electricity, all those things are adding mm. to people. Um, and obviously the cost of a machine and all of that. So, yeah. um but yeah, like it's, um, the, the, you know, it's like everything, um, PJ, the, the cost of stuff off the, the flakes have gone up as oh, well yeah. this year. We yeah. we used to buy a multiple before, like 10 plus one free. We don't get that now anymore. You know, yeah. those kind of things. But um, And I was having a mad notion because I love doing research. So actually one of the best um, cones that I've seen was when I was traveling in Japan. And they do a very unusual concept where they cover their 99 in um, a sheet, two sheets of 18 carats edible gold excuse so me so I actually bought yeah I bought in those sheets to try that out last summer actually yeah <laughs> how much would you be yeah. charging for that so yeah do you want do you want to know how much that cone would have go on, to be go, on go on go on okay about 10.95 for the cone <laughs> so I'm not I'm not sure who would spend that she wouldn't know whether to eat that or frame it for goodness sake <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I might give it a run at the end of the summer if I get a bit of feedback around it. <laughs> I'll let you know, Peter, if you right. call for one. You were run <laughs> off your feet, though, I'd say, the last few days. Angela said she'd never seen such crowds since she bought the shop. Yeah, you know what? No, it's the the weather's great for us. No one wants to cook, so it's all salads and sandwiches and ice creams. But I think when the weather gets so hot, they're all gone down to Angela on the beach. They don't come to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's hope we'll share out the joy over the summer yeah. and that the weather will hold. Yeah. Kerry O'Neill Fitzpatrick's in Glanton, always a great spot for an ice cream. And of course, Angela herself down in Fountainstown. Thank you both. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Here's someone who just might stop for an ice cream on her way home and you're almost there Nicole Duggan of My Boy Blue you're on your way home Hello PJ How are you girl after I'm walking good. from Dublin I'd say you could use an ice cream at this stage An ice cream would be lovely nice to be fair <laughs> So tell people what you've been doing for the last week and week almost didn't um, We left Dublin last Thursday to walk home to Cork so we have walked this is our seventh day now we're just in Kildarry Okay. Um, we're on our way to Mallow for the final the final line to see everybody so we've walked the whole way down and you're doing this for for um, my canine companion we are yeah so we're doing it for my canine companion so um, for anyone who doesn't know my canine companion provide awesome service dogs to kids around the country nationwide they're the country's largest provider mm. um, and this fundraiser was to help to fund a forever home for the charity so Obviously, we get no government funding. Um, we get everything that we do is done through donations and fundraising. So we came up with this crazy idea and said, do you know what? No, we'll go for it. So a team of us left Dublin last Thursday. We left Liffey Valley and we've been walking since. Um, yeah, we got back to Cork last night. Um, got to go home and see Riley for the night and we're back out today now for the final oh, day. Oh, you've so. seen him? You, you've, you've seen I him? I saw him last night. He was waiting. We got to Glenahulla last night, so he was waiting at Glenahulla for me. Um, so, yeah, today's the final day now, so there's there's a great buzz. We just walked through Kildarry there now and the kids from the schools are out on the road and, you know, it's, it's amazing. It gives us a great buzz because, obviously, the feet are sore. 
I'd um, say they are at this stage. Yeah, there's blisters on blisters oh, now and painkillers. And <laughs> but you know what? Now, PJ, you there. know yourself, it's all for a good cause, for a good and cause. it's going to help families nationwide, just like mine. So. Are you collecting across the, uh, along the way, Nicole? We are. We have buckets um, with us. There's a van with us. Volkswagen has sponsored a van, and they've um, a QR code on the side that you can scan. But we also have donation buttons on all of our social media. Um, and our website as well. So any donation, we would be huge, hugely greatly. It's to, it's to help families like ours, PJ. And you know what Willow has done for Riley. Absolutely. Riley's. changed. You know, she's, changed. She, she's changed given him an independence that I as a mom never could. In and fact, that's, you, that's you the wouldn't reality. have been able to do this without him, without No, Willow. definitely not. You and you know, not. like, he's been at home with my mom for the week and she's been with him and supporting him and... Like, without her, we couldn't do anything. Do you know, he's yeah. such a flight risk. He's a big boy. She just, she saved us realistically. So, this is, you know, it's a, it's a hugely important cause to me. Massively, so massively. We have, we've taken on the biggest challenge ever now. We're nearly done. Well, we're I'm nearly del- done. Delighted for you, Nicole. Well done. Well done. And all the money going to my canine companion. That's Nicole Duggan of My Boy Blue. You can find her on Instagram or on Facebook, wherever. And uh, just have a, the fun of a gorgeous dog, apart from that, Ness. 0818 96 96 96. Shannon Deedy in Middleton is our Rod Stewart winner today. Off to see himself on the 20th of June, live at the Marquee. And thanks to Aiken Promotions again for that. We have another pair of tickets tomorrow. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you in the morning just after nine. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not for profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.